Hi, and welcome to Flathead Valley Community College Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. I'm John Fraley, longtime FBCC instructor in wildlife conservation and introductory ecology for the past 35 years as an adjunct, and I worked 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, so I love wildlife. And in FVCC Nature Journal, we'll be focusing on the critters and quirks of nature found on the campus, the wide surrounding Flathead Basin, which includes the Bob Marshall and the Glacier. And sometimes we'll expand beyond that. Today, we're going to expand way beyond that. We aim to keep the show lively and fun, and together we hope to learn lots of fun facts about the fascinating flora and fauna that we are so lucky to live with in our world. Our producer is Colin Burkhardt, a student employee here at FECC Library. And thanks to Susan Matter, Library Director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Today's guest again is Jim Williams, noted expert on wild cats in North and South America. Jim, thanks again for joining us. You bet. So last time, Jim, we focused on pumas in North America. Today we're going to learn all about mountain lions and their status in way down south, way down in South America. So working with cats throughout all your career, including the Rocky Mountain front, so you must love mountain lions and cats. And you've also advised managers on mountain lions and traveled extensively in South America. Now your 2018 book, Path of the Puma, has become a classic. Published by Patagonia, it covers puma management in Chile and Argentina, especially in their national parks. Tell us a little bit about uh, writing Path of the Puma and your little travels in South America. Yeah, it was it was. A lot of fun, John. Got to meet some real passionate biologists in Argentina and Chile over the years and have them come to Montana and, and work jointly on projects with species up here. Um, South America is a pretty wild place, particularly Patagonia. and It rivals the Amazon, I think, in, in wildness. Uh, Patagonia is comprised of the southern parts of Chile and Argentina, the very southern tip of South America. And their puma is the same um, species as our mountain lion. There's six total subspecies, and the Patagonia puma down there is one of them. So Partners of the Americas is one of the ways you got into this whole thing. What, mm-hmm. How did that work? Yeah, so the, the State Department offers <clears throat> grants to through the Partners of the Americas program, whether it's clean water and developing nations or science exchanges or education. And I happen uh, to be fortunate enough to be uh, flown down on behalf of, uh, uh, of a science exchange uh, to work in Argentina with some real passionate biologists on conflicts uh, between uh, stock growers, uh, primarily sheep ranchers, and pumas down in uh, central Patagonia near uh, Bariloche in the in the uh, slopes of the Andes. So this is all in the uh, mountain range of the Andes that we're talking Correct. about here. And what's it like to be a science ambassador? What do you do exactly there? Oh, it's pretty neat, really. You get to share all the successes and, frankly, failures at science, what didn't work as well, that we've, you know, learned in our careers up here with staff down there. And just as important, learn from them about solutions to conflicts that they're experimenting with because the conflicts are really the same. Despite being on opposite sides of planet Earth, you Mm -hmm. know, it's sheep and cattle and people. So how did you come about writing a book for Patagonia? How did did that that connection make? Yeah, so um, I was in Chile with Doug Tompkins and Tompkins Conservation. Chris and Doug Tompkins have created all these parks in South mm-hmm. America. Amazing. What they've done is rivaled what Teddy Roosevelt did here, creating public lands, mm-hmm. frankly. But uh, Doug told me, he, you know, you need to write some of these stories down and, and, uh, and write about the parks and uh, kind of shame me into it a little bit because <laughs> uh, I wasn't ready to write a book. But uh, then I got excited and, and a friend, Rick Ridgway at Patagonia, 
uh, kind of spearheaded it with Carla Olson, their director of books, and away it went and and uh, wrote up a whole career's worth of stories. It was a lot of fun. That's just incredible. I mean, and they pulled out all the stops. This is a beautiful book, Path of the Puma. has uh, tens of thousands of dollars worth of pictures in there from professional <laughs> photographers and so on. And it's just amazing. Now, Ridgeway was one of the first people to climb the, the peak U2, right, in the Himalayas? K2. K2. Yeah. K2. Yes, K2. yep, without oxygen. He's the first. And real passionate conservation um, advocate and works for Patagonia. And I, I think he may now finally be retired. He worked a long time, but yeah. he was a, a global explorer and adventurer and a really neat guy. We've, we've had him up here in Montana out in the field. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing the connections you've made. And, you know, in your book, you talk about people, livestock, and pumas. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's the same around the planet with large cats and livestock and, and then the people that either love or, or, or hate them. And, and the conflicts are the same. It's all about protecting human property from wild nature, from the human perspective. From the wild nature perspective, it's, you know, what is the food that's available to these cats on the landscape? And in some areas like Patagonia, domestic livestock may be the number one available packet of meat on the landscape, more than the native uh, Wanakos or Vicuñas, their wild camels. Are, and, and the number two is an introduced animal. It's a European hare. So in some areas, you have you have sheep and hare that aren't native mm-hmm. that are the number one food item in their diets down in portions of Patagonia. In other areas, it's more their native species like Wanakos. Tell us a bit about this crazy animal called a Wanako. You've shown me some films about it. Uh, spraying at one of the biologists down there and yeah. different things like that. They're, they're a wild camel. They they look like, uh, so if you domesticate and hybridize them down, they look like a llama. Hmm. And so a llama is kind of a domesticated, in part, Wanako. They're really social. They live in large herds. And they're the number one prey item for pumas, uh, natural native prey down there that are endemic to uh, southern South America, the Patagonia region. Tell us about gauchos. I mean, we've all heard the, ner- mm-hmm. the, the term gaucho. I mean, there's a Steely Dan song called gaucho. What is a gaucho and how are they involved in all this? It's a cowboy in Patagonia, essentially. What we would call a cowboy up here, a gaucho is a cowboy down there. Multiple generations, very tough. They live off the land in many cases. They live in little puestos, like a cabin or a ranger station with uh, off the grid, uh, no electricity. You know, if the the world, uh, you know, tried to end, they would know it because they're they're (laughs) out, out in the wild near glaciated landscapes in in the Andes and and they they primarily um, steward domestic sheep on these large estancias or ranches but cattle too increasingly and your one of your advice uh, items to the folks down there was to include the gauchos in helping to oh, yeah. I guess manage the mountain lions put collars on them that kind of thing it's all about tolerance so you can create a park but if the private property around the park and the gauchos, multiple generations of killing pumas, they don't, they're not going to tolerate them. The park is going to, you know, not function like it could. But if you involve the neighboring landowners and work cooperatively and, and, and target the offending animals versus every single puma on a ranch, you know, you're going to extend the influence of that park and, frankly, protect this, the animals that have home ranges in the park. There is a photo in Path of the Puma of a piled up 
ball basically of mountain lions that were killed by by yeah. ranchers and and are we moving beyond that or does that still occur down there? Uh, it still occurs and frankly and even up in in central america and north america and places it can still occur it's all about tolerance you know uh, lions mountain lions pumas They'll be here as long as there's prey and habitat. It's up to humans to tolerate them. Whether that's right or wrong, that's the way it is. So it always means there's going to be a lot of work with people. And we talked about protecting livestock and so on to, as a key to managing mountain lions. Uh, there is a section in your book called Pumas and Penguins. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about what that means. Yeah, so <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I was with a, a biologist, uh, Sandra Rivera, and she took me to the coast in Argentina and and I was real excited, saw a penguin, and she told me to wait. And she kept saying in Spanish, espero, you know, and mm-hmm. wait. And then and I walked over the hill, and there's like 300,000 of them. And uh, it was crazy with Monacos and waves breaking. It was out of this world, really, for me, with my North American view of things. And sure enough, um, there and points down south in Monte Leon National Park, some other friends uh, documented pumas eating penguins. And, you know, pumas are going to take the most available uh, item on the landscape that's that's vulnerable and available. And in some cases, that can be a penguin. So they actually captured a picture of a puma with a penguin in its mouth. And to me, that was otherworldly. Wor- Is there know. anywhere else in the world where that occurs, where, where mountain lions kill penguins? No, no, I doubt it. You, know, you would they, know if there was. Overlap. Yeah. So what's your been of your advice if you had to boil it down into a few sentences for managing pumas in these, these gigantic parks that were Put together by the Tompkins and other yeah. other folks yeah. down at Patagonia, Pumalin Park, all yeah. the other ones. Yeah, collect the, the most data you can. Use the best science, you know, research. And then most importantly, take that research and take that information you gather and then dive into the local communities. That's where you get your boots dirty. And conservation is messy in rural, um, remote areas because there's strong feelings that have come from multiple generations. But get in there with them and, and work on tolerance because tolerance is where it's at. And you were pretty good friends with Doug Tompkins. I've seen your pictures taken together, and you stayed at his place down near one of the parks. Um, how much did he spend conserving? It's amazing. A private guy bought all that land and then donated it to the countries of Chile and Argentina, right, for national yeah, parks? Yeah. So Chris and Doug Tompkins started Tompkins Conservation. And they, you know, Chris was the CEO at Patagonia, and Doug had the North Face and Esprit Clothing. They combined um you know, their empire, conservation empire, and did some incredible things for planet Earth and people and wild things. And they created, you know, multiple landscape, Yellowstone-sized and larger parks in Chile and Argentina. Uh, it's incredible what they've done. Um, really, it, it, and no one else is doing that on the planet right now. And so they've left an, a real wonderful wild legacy in, uh, in Chile and Argentina and Patagonia. And Doug recently, not too long ago, was killed in a kayaking accident down there. Right? Yeah, it was a tragic accident on a cold lake. Not like, uh, not too uh, dissimilar than Flathead Lake is very dangerous mm-hmm. here with, mm-hmm. you know, the waves that are short intervals and cold and windstorms. And uh, unfortunately, there was a tragic accident with a whole bunch of folks down there. And, and yeah, Doug, Doug passed. And, um, but his legacy continues. Chris is doing amazing things with Tompkins Conservation. Uh, she just uh, released reintroduced jaguars into Iberá Park in northern Argentina, which is like the Everglades. So, you know, that's an incredible feat to, you know, reintroduce jaguars, and it hasn't been done, and, and she's kind of leading the way there. And Tom's, Tompkins Conservation has projects up and down um, South America. And, and, you know, in your book, yeah. you focus on the other species of cat in South America, too. And yeah. There's some really cute ones like the cod cod. 
Yeah. So South America is the kind of the cradle of wild felid evolution, if you will. When you look at DNA from the Brazilian highlands and then all these species radiated north, we have three up here, you know, in Montana, you know, the lynx, the bobcat and the mountain lion. Down there, they have multiple different types of cats. And, and, it, and it, as you go through the Americas, you know, at different habitats, there's different species, assemblages and densities. It's, it's pretty neat. Okay, so quickly, Jim, before you go, what's the wildest experience you've had in South America with wildlife? And you've shown me some crazy videos. Yeah, yeah I think I was chasing cats on horseback through their <laughs> their their South American beach forests, and uh, you know, literally about getting knocked off the horse, and then you jump off. and And we had a cat we were changing a radio collar on, and Christian Saucedo, um, Doctor Saucedo is their conservation director for. Tompkins Conservation, and he got, he turned around and this cat knocked him over as it, as it was going down and then just jumped in front of me. And, and I re- related, you know, over my career, you take people out in the field, anything can happen. And, right. and uh, but it was crazy. But just, just seeing the different birds and plants and mammals, they're so different down there and they're all endemic. They're only found there was amazing too. And we had Christian up here for that symposium. You yes, at FECC. He yeah, gave a wonderful great. presentation here. All right. Well, Jim, thanks a lot for coming on again. Anytime, John. That's all the time we have today for this segment of Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us, and please watch the FVCC website and Facebook page for more shows as they are posted. Also, feel free to post questions or ideas. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time.